This podcast episode is brought to you by Iron Source. Iron Source are not a spinach-based nutrition company, as their name might suggest, but are actually a game tech company which builds technologies that help you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing the leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor of Fun are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on over to ironsource.com, ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. I'm Joe Kim, and we are joined today by Amir Godrati and Lexi Sidow from App Annie. So today we will be talking about the new State of Mobile 2020 report that was recently released by App Annie. And by the way, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about this one. Awesome. And so just to kick things off quickly, maybe we could first start by having you guys tell us about this report and in terms of what does the report cover and what were the primary motivations behind publishing the report? Absolutely. So I will kick it off. Um, I'm Lexi. And so this is our annual state of mobile report. Um, and we sort of provide insight into mobile's expansive impact across all industries, um, as well as the global economy. And in the report, we highlight publishers and brands that are sort of outperforming their peers on mobile. And I am Amir Gudrati. And for this report, it's actually our, our seventh year you know, doing some iteration of this. So we're, we're always excited to, to put it out. And this has been a you know, pretty exciting year. So this is a, a really big sign of change that we get to cover for, for this podcast. We look at how mobile has increasingly transformed our lives and kind of changed industries. And you know, something we really want to do as part of our, our roles on Market Insights is really inform the world on, on key trends that we're seeing, see how this is shaping that consumer behavior and you know, hopefully helping to reshape businesses and empower companies with that, that action to move forward in that mobile first world. Right, and I know that the report itself is a little more expansive in terms of the scope of mobile, but in terms of the topics it'd be great to cover today would just be one that sort of high level overview of the health of the, the mobile economy from the perspective of the gaming sector and then secondly, key trends related to usage and monetization of mobile games and the sort of geographical and country specific trends. And finally, just a look at some of the top games from 2019. But I thought we could first start in terms of digging into the report by starting with the high level executive summary in terms of the, the high level KPIs. So could you walk us through what some of those key headline metrics are that were part of the executive summary? Yeah, of course. Um, so we sort of pulled together a few of the numbers. Um, the report's about 60 pages. Um, so there's, it covers a lot, but these are the kind of top five stats that we feel are pretty need to know for mobile in 2020. Um, the first is that in 2020, or excuse me, in 2019, there are 204 billion downloads of apps across iOS, Google Play, and third-party Android stores in China. So that's the biggest number we've ever seen for an annual number. Um, and it's an indication that consumers are still actively seeking out new apps and they're downloading them kind of across the board in gaming, um, all different categories of apps. So part of that is that there are people getting um, new devices. So you're getting new users with new devices, uh, for instance, in mobile first emerging markets. The other part is that it's new industries, new use cases, kind of services embracing the power of mobile. So that could be Internet of Things, um, whether it's, you know, connected devices or insurance apps or dating apps or new types of dating apps. So across the board, though, we're seeing this big spread of new downloads, even um, kind of alongside existing app habits, people are still actively downloading new apps. So the second number that we kind of want to call out is consumer spend. So this is App Store consumer spend. And in 2019, we saw $120 billion go through the app stores, again, across iOS, Google Play, and third-party Android stores in China. Um, and this is also a record-breaking number. So it shows that Yes, people are downloading more apps than ever before. They're spending more time in them. And then they're also actively deriving value from the services that these apps provide and spending to, to get that value from those apps. So 
just to kind of put context to this number, this is just app store spend. So uh, paid downloads, in-app purchases, or in-app subscriptions that flow through the app stores. Um, and this number doesn't include, you know, mobile ad spend for in-app advertising or spend through e-commerce, which would be like when you pay directly um, through a credit card through, you know, Amazon or Uber, for instance. So it's- and Lexi, what, what are the key drivers behind that spend? In 2019, was that largely up? Yeah, this has been a huge, um, a huge growth in 2019. Um, and some of the drivers we've seen, so worldwide, we've seen it grow about 110% from 2016, which is very big, um, and then about 20% year over year, so from 2018 to 2019. Um, and part of the big drivers here is games. Games is about 72% of, of all app store spend. So mm-hmm. Games definitely make up the bulk of the spend and they're growing, but another really important factor is the growth in non-gaming spend. So that's largely through in-app subscriptions um, and that that spend was up about 25% year over year and about 95% from 2017. So this is, you know, in-app subscriptions through, you know, music streaming, health and fitness, dating, um, sort of you name it. So it's a small, this non-gaming apps are a smaller part of the total spend, but they are growing pretty quickly due to um, subscription monetization. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So the next sort of stat that we find really important is um, the, the kind of per day, how much time are we spending on mobile? So what we saw kind of globally um, was that consumers, the average consumer is spending about three hours and 40 minutes each day in mobile in 2019. So that that's pretty huge. Um, and because if we assume, you know, the average person is sleeping that, you know, recommended eight hours a day and for some of this, this is a pipe dream, <laughs> but let's be optimistic if it's eight hours a day, then that means nearly 25% of our waking hours is spent on our mobile phones, messaging friends, ordering food, reading emails, watching shows, paying bills, sort of those micro moments that catch up over time, plus the times that we're sitting and viewing things for a long period of time. Right. So for, for the fourth number, we want to talk about how mobile was, was impacting businesses. A lot of the, the other numbers you know, we've looked at, were looking at how consumers are impacted by mobile, but we also want to talk about how mobile is dramatically impacting the way we do businesses and which, which kind of companies are performing the best. So we looked at major liquidity events in 2019 across the world and mobile focused companies saw an 825% greater average IPO valuation than non-mobile companies, which is a really big thing to consider for, for markets. And you know, I think in 2018, that number was about 360%. So this is even a significant growth over what we saw the, the year before. So if you're talking about companies looking to IPO in 2020 and beyond, you know, building that customer experience on mobile is essential because a lot of these countries are mobile first. But if you think about it, you know, if the idea is to be where people are and people are increasingly on mobile, then it makes a ton of sense for businesses that are going to be doing well to be mobile first and mobile focused, and they're going to have a strong presence there. And for that fifth key number that we have uh, that we want to highlight for the report, you know, we looked at Gen Z. So we actually did a, a deeper dive on, on Gen Z you know, earlier in, in 2019 and wanted to bring that back again for, for the state of mobile. You think about Gen Z, it's that mobile native generation. It's one that already has billions of dollars in spending power, and it's going to be that largest generation globally by the end of this year. And when we look in the data, we see that Gen Z is engaging with, with non-gaming apps you know, 60% more than older demos. So that 60% number is the key one we want to highlight when thinking about Gen Z. And they're also spending more time in non-gaming apps than older demos, and that's probably a little closer to, to 40%. And this is really powerful information, right? That future generation of consumers, they live and breathe on mobile. They're going to have different expectations as well. Uh, something that seems like a seamless experience in an app is a key driver for them because you're not just competing with other apps in your category, right? You're competing with Instagram, you're competing with Candy Crush, you're competing with a lot of other games and apps that they're, they're used to using. And so if you want to win on Gen Z, if you want to win on mobile, you really need to focus on, on that experience and getting those younger users to engage with, with your brand before they set up habits and, and go to someone else before they go to you. Right. So I thought we could actually dig a little bit deeper in terms of some of these metrics, not all of them, but maybe first in terms of downloads. And so just looking at your report, one of the things that 
that was presented in the report with respect to downloads was significant growth, and particularly from it looked like China and then to a lesser extent, but still very significant India. Could you give us a little bit of additional color in terms of you know what's happening with the China and the India market that's causing so much growth propelling these additional downloads for 2019? Absolutely. So when we're looking at downloads, a lot of the growth that we're seeing in 2019 came from emerging markets. So um, India is a huge one. Brazil is another really big one, as was Indonesia. But when you look at it on on the whole, China is by and large the biggest market driving the most growth. Um, And that's A lot of that is coming from third-party Android stores in China, where we see that's where a lot of the new sort of um, people getting coming online for the first time or getting a device for the first time, driving a lot of that growth there. Um, So India is particularly interesting because there were about 50% more downloads in India than in the U.S., Um, And the worldwide sort of, to take it a step back, the worldwide growth rate was about 5% year over year. And that was about twice the amount for India, Brazil, and Indonesia. We saw about 10% growth there. So that's really important. Um, We have, in previous years, we've talked about the kind of mobile market maturity model we have. Um, And so that's something that you know, we sort of see when markets first kind of come onto mobile, the downloads take a big surge. After that, you know, it'll kind of level off at a certain extent. Um, and you'll see engagement will drive pretty far. And then after that, it's about kind of that spend factor. So you'll really see growth in spend beyond that. So for mature markets, they're largely sitting in the sort of engagement and spend areas where they're, you know, mobile is quite ubiquitous to their everyday. Um, and that's where we're seeing the biggest growth. So With reference to what we've called out here, kind of the top five markets for downloads in 2019, um, you know, China, India, US, Brazil, Indonesia. US was one that is, you know, kind of that mature market that has seen downloads, you know, sort of taper off from a growth standpoint, but still is seeing, you know, 2.5 billion downloads a year. So it's not that it's decreasing, it's just that it's kind of leveled off, which is what you'd expect. With respect to the emerging markets, so looking at India, Brazil, Indonesia, those really Google Play is the dominant store uh, for downloads. So for instance, in India and Indonesia, it's at about 98%, 96% for Indonesia. And at Brazil, it's about 90% Google Play. So those are what's driving the, the download growth in a big way is the Google Play market in those particular um, countries. And so... These emerging markets, these are the ones that if, if you're not getting in now as a business, it's going to be considerably more difficult in the future to get that foothold. So, you know, we, we get a lot of questions about, you know, monetization in emerging markets, but it's really too important for companies to skip if they're looking to grow that long term. And specifically to gaming, you know, we see about a third of downloads are coming from gaming alone. So these markets are still really important and are driving a lot of that growth for downloads globally. You know, kind of looking at these countries we're, we're talking about here, these are countries with huge populations, right, that have been in, investing heavily in telecommunication and infrastructure, and devices are getting stronger. And if, you know, people have the ability to use their phones for a longer portion of the day, they will. You know, it was only two or three years ago that the average time spent in mobile was closer to two hours instead of that, you know, 3.7 hours that we're, uh, we're seeing today. And then kind of shifting over to consumer spend in your report, you mentioned that it's up 2.1 times from 2016 to 2019. And kind of very similarly, like as with the key drivers on the download side, by the analysis you guys have done in this report, it looks like a lot of the growth in spend is being driven by China and India. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what are the people in China and India, what, what are they spending their, their money on? Or what's, is it just that the down, because of the increase in downloads that everything's going up on the spending side as well? Or is there anything specifically we should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so consumer spend, as we mentioned, it was about 120 billion in 2019. And China, um, similar to downloads, but China remains the largest single market. So they made up about 40% of all global spend in 2019. And so it's both fueled by mobile gaming and then non-mobile gaming um, sort of subscriptions. But the big thing here is that a lot of the markets driving the biggest growth are sort of the top five markets that we saw. So China is number one for spend, followed by the US, Japan, South Korea and the um, United Kingdom. So, right, they, so I, I was kind of wrong on India, right? It was mainly China, not, not, not India. So there's, 
actually a lot of download growth in India, but not necessarily yes. the consumer spend. Got it. You are correct. But India did see strong growth year over year. So I'd say it's it. uh, growth is strong in India, but relative to the overall sort of pool, um, India saw about um, $370 million of spend in 2019 versus, you know, um, China was about $46 billion and the U.S. was about $25 billion. Wow. Um, so, and, and in India, they saw about 30% growth um, year over year. Globally, we saw about 20. So they are growing a bit faster than the overall market. However, their total contribution towards um, consumer spend is not quite as, as big as some of these mature markets that we, you know, we just listed off. Um, so those are some big areas that um, really it's, it's, it's been similar. You can kind of see, so in the report, we, t- we show sort of the growth over the last four years. Um, and the U.S. Is, has definitely grown very quickly. Um, and Japan has been another huge market, and that's fueled in a lot of ways by gaming as well. Okay. And then in terms of like the, Amir, you had mentioned, or maybe Lexi, it was you who mentioned that uh, a lot of the consumer spending is also being driven by subscriptions. And certainly I think some of the analysis that you guys have done in the, in the research talks about in-app subscriptions in top non-gaming apps. But what, what about gaming apps? Was there any analysis that spoke to the amount of subscriptions in terms of the monetization contribution or the growth of subscriptions in games? Yeah, I mean, I would say for the the you know the gaming subscription side, that's something that's going to be you know, really interesting to to kind of see what happens over the next next couple of years. I don't think okay. of it as kind of a uh, you know necessarily that short term boost. You know, there's that mindset that's been ingrained in us for for a long period of time that you know mobile games must be free, right? Free to play uh, has been the dominant monetization strategy for for a long period of time. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get people used to that idea of you know, kind of putting in that subscription money for, for gaming up front, which is, you know, one of the, the rare categories where we have a situation where other groups have been doing things and gaming is kind of catching up to them as opposed to the, you know, the standard thing that we see in the market, which is gaming is the one that's innovating and in other categories are catching up. You know, we've seen a lot of subscriptions for, for media, right. And, you know, for, for gaming, it'll be interesting because that'll kind of enhance the ability to expand that pie. Right. You'll have games that maybe haven't been able to monetize on mobile as well before because they're not made to have those microtransactions in them. And so we could get new forms of gaming developed specifically for these subscription services, you know, of course, like Apple Arcade and you know, Google Play being kind of the, the big ones out there. But it'll be, it'll be something that it can really enhance what's going on in the market. And if people see games that are doing well and doing things that haven't seen before, um, you know, they're getting free access to these free trials for these in the beginning. It'll be something that can you know, really, really stand out in the market and, and hopefully grow over time. But it's not something that we're expecting to see immediate success with or something we're expecting to uh, you know, take off uh, you know, right away. But it, it's definitely a, a long play for the industry. Got it. And maybe we could briefly touch upon the point that you guys had raised about Gen Z. So 60% more sessions per user in top apps. But I mean, is this largely a TikTok thing? Is, is this like all TikTok or is there anything specific we can talk about with respect to the gaming audience? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think this is a really interesting part of the analysis. So, you know, we kind of talked about how Gen Z spends more time in, in non-gaming apps than the you know, kind of average smartphone, smartphone user. Uh, you know, Gen Z does spend more time in, in games. Uh, then you, know, you might necessarily expect because there's a lot of competition when it comes to gaming, right? They, they might be playing uh, you know, other, other types of gaming devices, but uh, this trend that we see with people using mobile games is also true for, for older demos, it's just more stark. So when we look at Gen Z's behavior compared to older demos, we actually see that you know, older demos probably use a little bit more games than, than younger demos, uh, but the types of games that they're, they're playing are going to be quite different, right? So, you know, older demos are probably going to be doing a little bit more Candy Crush. You know, when we drill down, Gen Z spending like five and a half hours per month uh, per user in, in games, older demos are probably more like nine and a half hours per user per month, you know, in, in gaming. Right. Sort of my hypothesis that a lot of the increase in sessions has to do with TikTok, but it'd be interesting to see if you pull that out, whether that 60% growth would like drop to like 6% or whether, whether I'm wrong on that, but. 
anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, TikTok's <laughs> definitely definitely seen a lot of growth, but the the trends we're kind of seeing there definitely expand outside of it. And you know, considering how important apps like that are and just social in general, I think that's one of the reasons why we've seen that increased. You know, trying trying to focus on bringing gaming into some of these social apps. Like we know Snapchat's made a, a you know a bit of a, a focus there, trying to find ways of adding gaming to social. Because if people are spending so much time in social apps on their devices, you know, you want to try and introduce these these gaming functionalities in there as well. Talking now about kind of key trends that you guys have highlighted, uh, I thought one of the interesting ones was the forecast that you guys have with respect to mobile advertising and that you actually think that there's going to be a big increase in 2019 from like 190 billion to 240 billion, like that 26% year over year growth. So you guys are predicting pretty big growth in terms of the mobile ad market. What's fueling that? Where's, you know, and is this like additional inventory? Is this like, you know, increasing CPMs or what's causing this significant increase in forecast with respect to ad revenue? Absolutely. It's a really good question. So kind of just to take a step back, mobile ads are, are one of the core monetization, monetization pathways on mobile, um, especially for markets with a lower propensity to spend through the app stores themselves. So ads offer kind of a great way to shift that burden of cost from the consumer to the advertiser. And because of this, and because of the unprecedented sort of reach, um, that kind of vast global footprint, as well as the value, that kind of deep engagement, you know, that 25% of waking hours um, and the kind of always on nature of mobile, that's sort of all bundling up to, to look at the 2020 kind of ad market. So that's why we're, we're seeing, we're expecting that growth of 26% virtually across all categories of apps. So the in-app spending, um, in-app ad spending to increase across games as well as entertainment and beyond. Right. And then from an inventory perspective, what do you think it is that is going to be, is it like, for example, do you guys think it's going to be hyper casual games or is it going to be some, you know, a certain type of app or is it going to be TikTok or like in terms of the additional inventory that lights up to get to that 240 billion? Is it, you know, where's the inventory or is it, again, increasing CPM or something else? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think like a big part of it is just, again, you know, people are realizing that there's a lot of time spent on mobile, that time is increasing. So a lot of it is just that that shift from digital dollars being spent on other forms to being moved over to mobile and mobile just in general taking up a, a greater share of that uh, that ad wallet. You know, historically, okay. mobile gaming has been best used for driving performance in, in advertising, but that's you know kind of only only part of that story, right? A lot of brands are leveraging the gaming vertical for their their advertising needs. Uh, you know, we in the report we we have some data from from MoPub, and they have information kind of showing that. Brands have shifted more of their spend onto onto gaming lately, and you know, in November 2019, they saw that for every dollar a brand DSP spent on MoPubs Exchange, about 74 cents went to a gaming publisher, which was you know 19, 20 percent increase year over year for year for them. And so, hyper casual games definitely a big part of it, but you know it's it's only part of the story. Just in general, we're finally seeing advertising dollars catch up to in theory where they should have been even years ago. And another sort of part of that story um, that makes gaming inventory effective for brands is that it offers those engaging formats like full screen video. Um, and, and for example, re rewarded video completion rate was about 93% on average across gaming apps um, on MoPub's exchange in November 2019. And not to mention like MoPub has seen brand spend increase on video by about 180% year over year um, in that same month. And then there's also sort of the value of, of the users on, um, on mobile, right? Uh, there's this kind of common misconception in mobile that in-app gaming, uh, in mobile in-app gaming is that um, the audience sort of skews younger, uh, meaning they don't have quite as much buying power. But um, the reality is, it, it, I mean, what we're seeing by and large is that people across diverse demographics, both men and women of assorted ages, are playing games on their phones. And, and kind of as discussed previously, some of the most engaged users for gaming are age 25 and older. Um, they're spending an average of 9.6 hours per game per month per user. And so Mo MoPub has actually seen that the gaming ARP DAO, which is average revenue per daily active user, was at least 
five times higher than for any other vertical in November. Um, and it's kind of a signal to the gaming that the gaming user is becoming more valuable to both advertisers and publishers and kind of another part of that picture why we expect spend to be increasing so much to, into 2020. Right. And is most of that rewarded video ads or do statics still comprise a big chunk of that? Or do you have any idea how that breaks out? I don't have the exact stats on that, but it, it is, I know um, we could say that it's across video is a huge component, but it would be across all rewarded video, video, and the, this, the data that we've cited right now is specific to MoPub. Um, so from a global mobile ad spend perspective, it's across video, rewarded video, static banner, but we've definitely seen that video has taken off as a, as a medium for inventory. Another key trend listed in the report is in terms of how mobile gaming is growing so dramatically and there's actually a chart in your report that just shows just how much greater mobile gaming is growing with respect to console and pc based gaming so in in terms of that can you break that down for us a little bit more why do you think that there is this kind of you know is it just because console and pc are so mature and how much longer do you think this mobile growth in terms of the mobile gaming market can extend out to this actually is one of my favorite analyses um, in the report. I think it's it's really fascinating to see. So just kind of to give uh, listeners context. So, so we sort of bucketed mobile, it's mobile gaming versus all other gaming combined. So that would be PC, Mac gaming, handheld console, and home console gaming. So those all kind of in one bucket. And when we looked at them side by side, mobile versus other, 2019 mobile gaming spend was 25% higher than all others combined, which is, it's pretty incredible. Um, mobile gaming has got about 55% market share. Um, and this is set to be even higher in 2020. We actually um, predict that by 2020, in mobile gaming alone, $100 billion will be spent globally. So that's pretty massive. Um, and I think one of the big things fueling this growth and then also sort of propelling it into the future is that at the end of the day, mobile has, has democratized gaming in a lot of ways. It allows for a uh, effectively a portable gaming console to be in the pocket of nearly every consumer. So um, as hardware specs continue to improve um, and, you know, infrastructure like 5G rolls out, I think mobile gaming is set to benefit greatly. And we've sort of already seen that kind of migration of traditional console games, like for instance, Mario Kart Tour that launched this year and Call of Duty Mobile. Those both launched on mobile this year, um, and that's also an indication sort of of the power and strength mobile provides and, and where we can see it to continue to move in the future. Also, cross-platform play becoming more common, particularly, you know, from um, how popular Battle Royale gaming like Fortnite and PUBG um, sort of became in 2018 and carried into 2019. Um, those are two areas we expect to continue. So with respect to the future, I think that this mobile gaming is just set to keep increasing, um, especially in that kind of total share of, of gaming spend. Yeah. And for, for this, you know, kind of looking at some of the, you know, some of the things that we might see for, for 2020, you know, looking at the you know, the different formats kind of broken out, right? Mobile gaming was, you know, 2.4 the size of PC, like 2.9 the size, the size of that home console and 203 times the size of the handheld console. So if you're kind of looking at the different versions, that's what you're seeing there. In terms of areas in which you might see that that other more traditional uh, gaming grow for 2020, I mean, there's there's obviously big titles that'll be coming out, right? You're, you're getting a new Animal Crossing game for the Switch. Right, Last of Us Part Two, Cyberpunk 2077, you know, Halo Infinite. You know, there's always a, you know, the the Call of Duty games are always big. The big thing that we'll see there on the console side, I guess, is that right. We have the the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, you know, launching in the in the fall. So it'll be interesting interesting to see if that's going to provide you know kind of a, a jump start on the on the console side. And then on the you know, kind of mobile gaming side. Yeah, we have a, a Stranger Things mobile game. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how that does and how that ties in into the show because that's supposed to be, you know, more of a an AR experience, right? Where you can see that upside down in in the real world. And then we talk about how auto battlers are becoming a, a bigger genre. And so you have team fight tactics, uh, you know, coming out on on mobile. I you know, believe it launched, I guess, maybe a, a year or maybe six months ago or so on, on PC before, but seeing that launch on mobile and if you know we can see that that category kind of continue to grow, right? Apex Legends, 
you know, when that launches on mobile, if they're able to get cross-platform on there, that could be cool. You know, Minecraft Earth, we know that uh, that's already in beta. And so seeing how that, that does with its broader launch and then, you know, it, it will be interesting to see, you know, I know it got a lot of press before, but just Diablo Immortal and, and you know, what happens when that, when that finally moves over to, to mobile. I mean, I would say two, two other things that pop up a lot in terms of you know, industry events when we're, we're talking to people about mobile and, and growth there is just uh, one, uh, you know, publishers in China continuing to focus on going global, yeah. you know, how to expand gaming beyond just the, the nearby countries. And I think this was a lot of this was something people have been interested in, but obviously got jump started by that, uh, that gaming freeze that happened in 2018, right? When they weren't right. kind of allowing, allowing new titles there. And so if you want to make sure that doesn't happen again, a big way of diversifying is trying to find ways to expand. A lot of times that's through acquisitions and, and partnerships, uh, but that's definitely been a big area of focus. And so we could see some growth there because a lot of those publishers historically have done really well in terms of monetization. And then, you know, this is probably less 2020, but, you know, I'm always interested in seeing, you know, what creative solutions people have for monetization in emerging markets, you know, especially when you don't necessarily have as high of consumer spend or, or advertising dollars there. Uh, you know, an example we always, we always talk about from a few years ago was, uh, you know, there's that one game that was tied into cancer research that played a cure genes in space. I don't, I don't know if you remember this one, but it was basically a space themed arcade game that was you know, specifically developed uh, to help identify defects in real world DNA microwave data. And so, yeah. you know, in, in, in one month of that game, you know, data from people playing that game uh, was able to make 1.5 million DNA classifications. So in theory, that would have taken six months of manual data entry and analysis by cancer researchers, but this game was able to help them speed that up. And so, you know, the value of that game is from helping to save person hours. And so just the engagement with the game is able to help with monetization as opposed to relying solely on on spend or advertising. So, you know, that's obviously a very specific example. Every game isn't going to be able to do that, but you know, those types of creative solutions can help speed up some of the, the monetization in other markets. And it, it'd be really cool to see more examples of that. Right. Some additional analysis that you guys have done was with respect to a breakdown of downloads relative to genres. And it sounds like you guys have kind of split it into types of audiences, core and casual, and then different types of game genre types like puzzle, arcade, shooter, and action. Was there anything that surprised you guys in particular with respect to the, the breakout from this year? Um, and it does seem like, I assume that you guys include hyper casual in arcade when that's why it seems to be like one of the biggest segments at 47%. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are definitely going to fall into the, uh, you know, that arcade category there. And, and for us, you know, we kind of worked on that, you know, that richer taxonomy to kind of surface more meaningful insights than just using those strict non-matching app store categories. One of the big trends that we've seen is just games incorporating gameplay and design elements across genres. So it's, you know, in that case, it's definitely important to kind of try and get at that, that deeper categorization information just to understand what's going on and kind of what's being combined there and how you could potentially leverage it. Coin Master, I feel like, is a really good example of this, right? There's there's building elements, there's card elements, there's attacking, there's leveling up, there's casino-based elements like slots. So you know, kind of focusing on just a, a singular way of looking at the game is going to make it a little more difficult to understand like what we added there than, than kind of taking that deeper analysis, right? So that, that hybrid gaming trend is something we've seen take off in, in 2019. We expect to see a lot more of it in, in 2020. Got it. And then it sounds like within the core games, which was, um, you know, core relative to casual, it seems like core you have at 18% relative to casual at 82%. And one of the things from your report was that Free Fire, I assume that's Garena Free Fire, was the most downloaded core game. So did, did that actually beat out other games like Call of Duty and, you know, Fortnite and PUBG? Is that, is that the case? Yep. So, um, so Free Fire was like globally um, the number one downloaded core game. Um, and so that's what's kind of nice about this, this sort of richer categorization view is we're able to kind of bucket it a little bit nicer and look at a little bit more of these differences. And I did want to touch on the casual games piece you mentioned. Um, and that's what an important part of that um, is that, you know, casual games is hyper casual games like people um, 
we see that users tend to switch between multiple casual games at a time. Um, so many companies leverage like a portfolio of casual games to retain that high user base overall. So as you launch those new games in the months to come um, and you're porting users over, they're counting as new downloads. So that's part of the reason why you're seeing such a huge number here is that that's one of the tactics people, um, publishers will use as well to keep um, users engaged across their sort of portfolio of casual games. Shifting back to the core games side, you have some analysis with respect to core games. Could you walk us through maybe what you think are the top, let's say two to three takeaways when you did these, this analysis on the core games? Yeah, when you're, when you're looking at you know, core games, when you start talking about time spent and consumer spend, that's where you really see them you know, somewhat punching above their, their weight, right? Core games accounted for 18% of downloads 55% of time spent, and then you get to that whopping 76% of total consumer spend, right? right? And those numbers kind of highlight, uh, you know, the key strengths of core gaming. You know, it's capturing that user attention. You're going to be engaging with those users, leveraging things like extensive customization, competitive online play, right? You're getting those season pass memberships to kind of cultivate that, that stickiness. You know, it's going to drive that deeper, longer engagement you know, we talked about Free Fire, you know, PUBG Mobile, right, is, is another really strong success story. That was the number one game for time spent in, in 2019. And so you're getting those similar mechanics, right, where you're, you're having this massive multiplayer game. These sessions are designed to last, you know, 10 minutes longer in some cases as well, depending on how long the, the game goes. And we even see examples where games like PUBG are calling out their their console quality gaming on the go, right? They're talking about the HD graphics, they reference 3D sound. You know, we're getting that hardware on mobile where you're actually able to do, in some cases, cross-platform between mobile and console and mobile and, and PC, as we saw, uh, you know, with Fortnite uh, as, as well, which is, which is really exciting, right? If you had told people, you know, 10 years ago that they would be using their mobile device to play cross-platform with someone on PC, there's a very good chance they wouldn't have believed you at all because, you know, the thought would be there would be, you know, such a big shift in, in some of the graphics there. And, you know, while those are still stronger devices, the fact that they're even close enough to be doing this, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing. You essentially have that console in, in your pocket. And another stat that actually is really um, with reference to core, that would be something I would say is a big takeaway is that core core games actually, which within like strategy and action, those combined made up over half of all consumer spend in some key APAC markets. So China, Japan, and South Korea. Um, so that's a huge part of the growth or in that consumer spend for core. But then also given the popularity of like the battle royale games like Fortnite and PUBG taking off in Western markets, that's also impacting um, that spend um, and helping grow that too. Moving to the next topic, I thought for me personally, this was the most interesting part of the report, which was the analysis that you guys did with respect to ARPU by Geo. And it really made me think that do we actually have the right definitions when it comes to like tier one, tier two, tier three countries? I mean, You've got ARPU for South Korea, Japan, China, Canada, and the United Kingdom, based on your analysis, higher than the U.S. So should those all be tier one countries now? It's a great question. So just to caveat this analysis, we, okay. um, we chose to look at just games that were released in 2019. So yeah. it would differ a little bit, right? Like, so a lot of the times what you'll see is the really big ARPU numbers are from kind of those incumbent games that have been around for a while and have really strong bases, loyal users, and they kind of um, really see a huge amount of spend. Um, so for this particular analysis, we, we limited it just to new releases. So the, the games that were launched in 2019. And so, um, yeah, when you look at the, the chart, you can see, you know, the number one game came from China. Uh, the number one market was South Korea. When you look at the average of ARPU among new release games. So some of that's genre based, um, but then when you drill down into particularly when you look at China, the number one game by ARPU was Perfect World. So that's a core um, RPG, sort of like the World of Warcraft of China, if you will. And, and there's a bit of secret sauce happening with that particular game that would have given it such a huge ARPU. So some of the main things we want to call out is, you know, it's, it's a well-known PC MMORPG game. Uh, it's been around for about 12 years, which sort of puts it in that same league as the lineage series and it, and that's been around for 12 years you know before it de debuted on mobile this past year so there's that kind of level of existing fandom here 
And then it's coupling with the, you know, what we mentioned previously, like the advanced hardware specs of mobile at this point in time to ensure that high quality experience of the game, given its PC origins. And then this really big coordinated global launch. Um, they featured celebrities. Um, and in this case, it was Blackpink's Rosé, which Blackpink is the K-pop group. And actually to give context to how big they are, they're the second K-pop artist uh, that has reached that kind of coveted club of a billion YouTube views. They're the first group, K-pop group, to do so. Um, that happened in 2019. And, and so Psy actually with Gangnam Style was the, the first. <laughs> so to give context, like how big of a celebrity they got to help kind of, um, they released like a 30 second commercial when featuring Rosé as the endorsed celebrity. Um, and so it was a huge, huge coordinated effort for, for this mobile launch. And so kind of that combination, right? Like that existing fandom, the celebrity endorsement from this massive K-pop group the mobile specs being where they need to be. Um, and then we, we saw global um, in-app advertising campaigns kind of across the board in many markets for launch. That all sort of fueled as to why we see Perfect World leading the ARPU charts for new releases in 2019. Okay. And in the US by, by contrast, you've got the number one game by, new game I should say by ARPU being Game of Thrones Slots Casino, which is which is a very different gaming experience than what we're seeing in, in some of these these other markets, especially in APAC, uh, but Game of Thrones, you know, you still have that tie-in in terms of that strong IP, and you know the game debuted the same year as the the finale of, of the show, and you know that's a very strong tactic, right? You have that IP, you're able to get high level of initial engagement. If the game does well enough, you might be able to keep people around for for a while. But you know, all ships kind of rise in that in that scenario where. You know, the game comes out, the show sees a bump, HBO Now is going to see a bump, you know, all in terms of downloads and users and, and spend. And you know, the big thing that, that we have there is just, you know, the slots component, that casino component, to really discuss how the types of games are going to differ significantly by, by market. You're going to get a lot more core gaming experiences in, in China and Japan and Korea than you traditionally see in the U.S. So that's going to lead to that higher ARPU uh, which is something we've seen seen over the years. Although we're starting to see more core gaming appear in, in the U.S., which is going to be key for that growth. Got it. And in what appears to be really great news for the industry, just kind of another slide in your deck was that more games than ever before surpassed five million in annual consumer spend. So I thought that was great. But actually, more more interestingly, it seems like that group that was making more than a hundred million, that seemed like that's the group that increased the most. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely, yeah. This was um, a particularly interesting analysis and sort of that kind of takeaway for us is, you know, that we're seeing it's not necessarily a winner's take all market anymore. Um, and, and we've talked about, you know, mobile democratizing gaming and, you know, people having that console in your pocket. Um, and so sort of what's interesting here is that, you know, we've seen both ends of the gaming spectrum sort of take off. And this we saw starting to happen in a big way in 2018 and continue into 2019, where you've got that hyper casual end uh, becoming way more popular and turning a lot of people who, you know, might not historically uh, say that they're gamers, turning them into gamers. Uh, but then we also have that core side that's taken off as well, which we've spoken about, where you, you really see core in a meaningful way, having strong engagement on mobile. And I think with respect to spend, another interesting sort of facet to consider with mobile is that, um, you know, you don't need to purchase an additional device. So that kind of removes that initial barrier to entry. Um, and then there's also like, you don't need to purchase a game. You know, this isn't necessarily unique to mobile, that freemium model, but it, it is very popular on mobile where you don't need a physical disc or a digital download or anything like that. It's playing for free, um, gradually paying for benefits or, you know, possibly interacting with ads as that sort of transactional area. So it's, it's definitely... It, it's a new sort of area, and that's one thing that really strikes me about um, the growth in that consumer spend is that, um, you know, we're sort of seeing um, an evolution happen within um, the types of people who might call themselves gamers. It's sort of mobiles, that kind of gaming platform for kind of everybody, especially when we talked about the ends of the spectrum, the core kind of uh, core gaming and then hyper casual. Yeah, and, and you know, to that point, you know, you, you brought up, Joe, we're, we're seeing just more games than ever clear that 5 million annual spend threshold, right? So that's gone up, it's about 15% from, oh, I guess, over the past couple of years. And so, you know, we're, we're well over a thousand games at this point that are clearing 5 million in consumer spend every year. I guess, over, you know, 1,121 at, 
at this point. But like you said, that largest growth is in that $100 million per year hurdle. So that's that's gone up the last couple of years from 88 to 140 games, which is incredibly impressive because that's that's a very high bar to clear for, for a mobile device. If you think about how gaming is, I think a lot of people underestimate just how much money is actually being spent on this huge variety of games. So there's a lot of opportunities out there for, for gaming publishers. Like you said, I think this is really strong for the industry and it's, it's not just the top players that are doing well, right? It's, it's, you know, there's opportunities for, for a lot of games to find success here. Great. And just sort of wrapping up our coverage of the report, I thought we could just end on the breakout games of 2019. And it looks like you guys looked at that both from a downloads and revenue perspective, and then also by geographical breakdown. So maybe we could have you guys walk us through, you know, some of the more surprising games or, you know, what were the, the those top games? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, we, we looked at it both by downloads and, and spend perspectives because, you know, a lot of the downloads you see shift every year. A lot of people are downloading games and moving from one game to another. But, uh, you know, the big shifts in, in revenue are also especially, especially interesting. Like a lot of the standouts were games that, you know, you might expect, right? Mario Kart Tour, Call of Duty Mobile, those were huge standouts. There were really big, highly anticipated launches in 2019 that had some of the biggest IP, and you know, they also led to some of the biggest breakout games as well. And it's kind of that indication of that theme you know, we've been discussing. We're seeing migration to some extent of some of these titles from console to mobile because people are realizing how much opportunity there is on mobile, and you know, you're not at that point where you can kind of ignore it. And also the hardware is strong enough that you can actually have that similar type of, of experience so that's that's another thing that's going to lead to a lot of exciting games going forward. Yeah, those ones were big. And what's impressive about Mario Kart Tour um, and Call of Duty is that they were kind of Q3 and Q4 launches. So even in the, the, when you look at the whole year, um, even just the amount of traction they had in the last part of the year made them you know claim the kind of top spots in numerous markets. And some of the other areas, we talked about hyper-casual, so that's another big one I'd, I'd call out for breakout uh, games by downloads. So Good Jobs Games had Color Bump 3D, Fun Race 3D, and Run Race 3D, and they all ranked very highly across the board in numerous markets. Um, Color Bump 3D was ranked in the top five breakout apps or breakout games um, in eight of the 12 uh, markets we analyzed. So that's pretty big. These are also, as you'd expect, very popular in Western markets. Um, another example of hyper casual was Aqua Park IO by Voodoo. So they, that was another game that's done very well across many markets this past year for downloads. Um, it kind of builds on the success Voodoo had in 2018. You saw a lot of hyper casual games and it speaks to that kind of overall strategy of having a portfolio of hyper casual games that you kind of move players within to keep them engaged. And then a couple other just real quick call outs for downloads would be Brawl Stars. That was another big one. Um, it actually ranked quite highly in three kind of very diverse markets. So France, actually, Russia, and was number one in South Korea. Um, that's kind of a standout battle royale game of the year, I'd say, for downloads. And then some market specific rising stars included like Killing Virus, which is an arcade shooter game that was number one in China, and Karam Pool, which is a multiplayer kind of board game adaption in India. So that was number one in India. And kind of when you look at the market level, as you'd probably expect, what we've really seen, um, his, you know, stand the test of time and be historical trend is that China and Japan were pretty much completely unique in their breakout games lists, um, which, you know, like I said, that's pretty, we've seen that happen over the years and it tends to favor homegrown sort of games in those markets. Okay, and then in terms of uh, consumer spend? Absolutely. Um, so we'll start with Battle Royale again there. That's, that, that was a big one for consumer spend. So, so we pretty much in 2018, we saw that Battle Royale games gained a ton of traction in downloads. So it's kind of a natural extension to expect that as usage continues um, into 2019, that that's where the spend shortly follows. So Free Fire, um, that was big in emerging markets like Brazil, Indonesia, um, in India for spend. Brawl Stars um, was another really big one for spend in France, Brazil, Germany, Russia, South Korea. And then PUBG also ranked in seven out of the 12 markets actually. Um, and notably in Brazil, three of the top five breakout apps or breakout games by spend were battle royale games. Yeah, and we we you know talked a little bit about Coin Master earlier on as well, right? You know that that hybrid uh, game that includes a lot of casino elements as well. That was one that also did very strongly in Germany, UK, US, and and also India. 
you know, Rise of Kingdoms, another one we want to call out that that core strategy game has some building battle components launched in 2018 and, and did very well in a number of markets by improvement in, in consumer spend. And then again, as, as Alexi had mentioned earlier, right, you know, China is going to be unique to a lot of the other markets in, in perfect world, right? That highest ARPU 2019 release was, uh, you know, our, our second biggest breakout spend uh, in China, even though it only launched in, in March. Do you guys think if we had Fortnite data on Android that they would have made it on, in some of these countries? Or do you think that bypassing Google Play was kind of bad for them? <laughs> yeah, I, for, for Fortnite, I mean, that, that was definitely a, you know, an, an interesting launch for, for that. I do think the, the bypassing Google Play uh, you know, lowered that, that download rate by enough that you know, they wouldn't have been able, would not have been able to make it in a lot of, or basically most of these markets. I see. You know, we did see the the active users on on you know the Android side, you know, kind of not you know being as big of a launch as you would necessarily expect from a uh, you know major release like that. And you know, that's one of those things. Anytime you kind of make that barrier to download more difficult, you know, you're going to lose a lot of users at that point. Because one of the big things for mobile is is it's all about convenience, especially when you have games that are also in that battle royale category that are available in the store that you would be able to play. In, instead there. And so that was, that was definitely one of those things that we do think, you know, kind of lessened that potential for success on, on the Android side. Yeah. It, sound, it seems like just looking at the, the chart here, the big winner was Lilith. And certainly, as you guys have mentioned, Coinmaster so, and PUBG. So yeah, good job to all those guys and congrats to them. But yeah, I, it, in terms of like coverage of the report, I think that I want to thank you guys for your time. And I, I think you guys have done a great job in terms of summarizing what's there. For our listening audience, you can get a copy of this report by going to the AppAnnie website. Is that is that right, Amir yes. and Lexi? What, what's the best way they can kind of get a copy of this? So the easiest way would be to go to stateofmobile2020.com. And then you can also go to our website, um, appany.com slash insights. And it'll be, we've got many blog posts driving back to the report as well. And more Great. content. <laughs> on All the right. Blog. Yeah, and I'll be sure to include those links in the podcast show notes. But before we conclude, are there any other concluding thoughts or insights that you think the listening audience here should know? I think for me, you know, the biggest thing, um, the standout thing for me is is just how big mobile gaming is with respect to all other gaming. Um, so that 25% higher spend for, for mobile versus all other combined gaming is just huge. We're set to see $100 billion um, be spent on mobile gaming in 2020 alone. Um, and that's bigger than the global box office industry, um, music recording industry. So that's, that's a huge, huge number. Um, and for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways. For me, you know, I feel like 2019 has definitely been you know, a big inflection point for, for mobile gaming. You know, we're, we're getting deeper sessions, we're getting these new monetization models, and the you know, the version of it I'm most excited about is definitely those hybrid genres and you know what sort of new gaming experiences and mechanics that can lead to going forward. So I'm I'm really excited about that. It's gonna be servicing, you know, a type of, of gamer that necess- hasn't necessarily had games targeted toward those experiences before. And so, you know, that'll that'll keep the industry exciting. Great. All right. Well, thank you for your time. We're here with Lexi and Amir. Thanks so much for covering the report with us. And um, hopefully we can get you on for our future podcast uh, again in the future. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye.